0: So it didn't matter if one person was a drug dealer and the other person's a cop and the other person's a warehouse worker and the other person's a doctor. That didn't matter in the gym. What mattered in the gym is we're there to get strong.
1: Welcome to It's Just Bodybuilding. Of course, I'm here with the producer, Scott McNally, my... What best friend in the whole entire universe, Dusty What A good intro for you because the he the saw the shirt. T-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> Earn yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 we're here with none other than than Dave Tate, um, you know the the master of fat dad conjugate, and uh, <laughs> the uh, the uh, the, uh, the founder of Elite FTS West Side, uh alumni. All the crazy stuff that goes with, with being an elite level power lifter and um you know, one of the Yodas of the uh Iron Slag game. So welcome to the show, Dave. Um I'm really happy to have you here. We've been talking about having you as a guest for a long time.
0: No, thank you guys for having me on. I gotta know, do you ride that bike? It looks like a real little bike. I
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I absolutely do. You uh there's be no surprised. way you ride that
0: little thing. You know how little oh, that looks
1: <laughs> on the screen. Oh yeah, <laughs> looks like a little. It's <laughs> <a little laughs> only this big. You know? It, <laughs> it? It's it in this
0: looks spin. like one of them little circus things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Like a
2: three-year-old it. son. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> small dogs
1: and small bikes. That's what I'm all about, buddy. <laughs> he looks massive
2: on it, though. That's why he likes it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it makes my arms that. look bigger.
1: Yeah, I'm going to buy a real small car, too. I'm going to get myself a Mini like Scott.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, you know man. I don't know. Getting out of those is going to suck.
1: <clears throat> yeah, your arms look big hanging out the window, though. Yeah, that's all that matters.
3: <laughs>
1: well, Dave, I, I, I got to start with um, I'm often asked what my favorite episode of Mutant on a Mission was to shoot. People ask me that all the time. It's one of my most asked questions. They'll ask, what's your favorite gym you've ever shot at? Or they'll say, what's your favorite episode? And of course, I've done like 80 episodes now. So wow. it's, I've been to a lot of great gyms. Obviously, they're standouts. But yours is always my, my time with you. Was that Compound 4 I was at with you and John? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, and Ken. Ken was there training with us too. So Compound 4, the episode I shot there, I think that was season 2. That's still one of my favorite um, experiences ever from all the gyms I shot at. Uh, you know, what a crazy day that was for me to get to train with you and John Meadows and Ken Jackson uh, at your gym, you know, where so much stuff, you know, has, had happened and so many champions had trained. And it was just a really great episode. And uh, you you were awesome, man. You were just like totally on board with giving me your whole afternoon and uh yeah. that's still one of the standout episodes and it's one of our episodes with the most views too so that yeah, was a good time that?
0: I mean, that was a good time oh yeah yeah i remember that was a good time <laughs>
1: yeah i still one of my favorite things about that gym i mean there was a bunch of stuff but if you watch the episode back i'm i'm in your leg press and that was one of your like one of the ones that it was like one of your elite leg presses right the big monster press mm-hmm. with all the band pigs on it right And uh, you're showing it to me and I get down in it and I'm, you know, fooling around on it and kind of like, oh, man, what a big press. And I look up above me and there's like a handle just hanging from like a 30-foot ceiling. (laughs) I forgot about that. So there's like the 30-foot ceiling, warehouse ceiling, and then there's just like a rope that just hangs all the way down and there's just a handle on the end of it. And it's right Mm. above the leg press. And I go, yeah. what's this for? And he goes, for getting out of the leg press. Yeah. I'm Obviously. like, Of course it is. Of course you get out of the leg press. And then he goes, yeah, there's so many guys here that have had their hips replaced oh. that it's hard to get out of the leg press. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "That's oh amazing. Gosh, what a hardcore gym. That's the most hardcore thing. was a thing long rope,
3: too. I've ever heard. It was like a 30-foot rope. No, it was It was beautiful.
0: Yeah, it took us half a day to get it up there because we didn't have a ladder, so we kept throwing shit to try to get it to loop over yeah, the yeah. top rail.
1: And then we on it. Oh, it, was, it was, it was a process. hilarious. I just thought like I'd never seen anything of that like category. Like we've 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 constructed an assist for like post-surgical yeah. hip replacement guys to yeah. get out of the leg press easier i just thought, man that well you still got to train top, man most, oh you still <laughs> got to train like right up. you know i mean those guys are practically walking out of the hospital like three days later aren't they hip replacements like, oh, yeah. they go pretty yeah, good yeah. now really so i mean oh yeah i mean yeah. yeah yeah i mean if you come out of the hospital on your own two feet you should be able to go straight to the gym i agree well, oh, hell so. at least I mean, press. if you
0: can lay in, if you can lay in a recliner, you can lay in a leg press.
1: <laughs> yeah. Come on now. right? Let's be serious. And and then another thing that I, I tell people about at your gym was, um, you had that wall with all the photos on it. And mm-hmm. I go, how do you get the photos up there? Cause it was like a real messy collage wall, like real, like the photos weren't framed or nothing. It's not like the wall of yeah. fame at, at, uh, the montaneri brothers powerhouse it's like it's like just random pictures right and you go oh and you grab this pole that's like 20 feet long and it's got a stapler duct tape to the end of it and you <laughs> yeah. take and you just you put the photo up there with another pole you hold, hold it in there. place yeah. and then someone yeah. takes the big pole and they just <laughs> slap it with the staple yeah.
0: It was a PVC pole, so I had a little flex. Yes, yeah. it really took us a while little to come up to with it, that. Right? Too. Little snap! It had a little flex, so and we just zapped it right in there
1: perfectly. It's <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> One and done. That's where it goes. No, yeah. I'm just, I'm and I remember it. when I I found out you were moving the gym to Compound Five. You had got like what yeah. I believe. I mean, we're gonna ask you about this, but it's like your kind of dream yeah. location. Um, yeah. And and I heard you were moving the gym to Compound Five. And the first thing I thought was. Fuck! I wonder if he's taking that wall. I, like, the whole <laughs> wall. I wonder if he's going to be able to. I wonder if he's going to be able to take that like section and move it somehow. I don't know. It just it just seemed yeah, like you that, know one yeah. of the things.
0: That that became that became a big uh, a big point of contention here. Yeah, because that wall, the wall had moved from every gym that I've been to before then, and yeah. in that last place. It was it was it was it was wrecked right because the water and yeah. you know everything that oh, was yeah. on there, and um, <clears throat> so I wanted to move it because everything was up there on plywood and then poster board into the other place and was very adamant about wanting to move it because there were pictures from when I competed on there you know everything was on there well, whole history huge. was on there. Oh yeah. And everybody, everybody was like 100% against it. Like, no, that's going to look like (laughs) shit. And I'm like, fuck you. I don't care if it looks like shit. I mean, this I mean, it was, it was a, it was a big fucking, it was a big point of, it was a, I'm making that. It's funny now, but at the time it was, it was a big argument. And, um, so what I settled on, was my graphics guy said that he would recreate it because he had all the images, and and then we would put vinyl on the top half of the one wall we have here of the same images. And I was cool with that, but I didn't know what he was going to do, right? Because what they did is they took off a lot of the older images that we had up there that I would have wanted up there. you know And then he replaced just some stupid shit. That he would think I wouldn't know, like me in a bikini that he photoshopped. You know, just stupid shit that is. And, and as as I was looking through there after the first couple of weeks, I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, it's just like a I'm wearing a onesie. You know, and just shit like this, and it, it's not all of them, and it's really hard to tell. Yeah, and. What I realized after we were here for a couple months is in the all the other gyms it was really easy to see because it was a little bit more eye level. Yeah. Where here yeah. those pictures don't start until probably twelve foot in the air, so you don't even see them anyhow. So they're not there. So it's going do if I was to go back and do it all over again, I wouldn't even put any pictures up there at all. Hmm. <clears throat> but to me, it had so it had so much sentimental meaning. Because I spend a lot of time alone in the gym, not even training, just like walking around. You're pissed off with something or you're trying to figure something out. And I could always look at the wall and, you know, friends of mine that are up there, friends of mine that have passed that are up there, memories up there. I could always draw inspiration from that. And that's what I was trying to bring with me, you know, when it came over. And even if that did come over, it it wouldn't have been the same because it was too high up. You know, so right. and then I also kinda learned maybe I had to fucking mature a little bit and figure out other ways to deal with my problems than walking around an empty gym looking
2: at a wall, <laughs> screaming at things. Um, but Maturing it was sure uh, is never the right answer.
0: Oddly enough it is after you do it, but it's not while you're going through.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's
1: that's great. I I also remember that your gym was one of the gyms that I uh I come out of with a smashed shin. I had a bleeding smashed shin after uh, training at your yeah. gym because it was very tight. There was a lot of equipment in there and everything's yeah. solid. Like there's there's no there's no pieces that you whack your shin on and the piece moves. <laughs> No no, like, no, 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 there's, no, no. It's not of those. It's not like yeah, a commercial gym where something yeah. might actually move. You hit your shin on something at your gym. That's not. It's not moving. It's like a a massive leg. I, I still have so. that problem now. You know,
0: I I have this thing to where you can always fit another one. Like if there's something that really <laughs> cool comes around, yeah. Like, I can I, I can I can fit it. You know, in that's what happened in every gym i've ever been in hell it's starting to happen out here now and um so yeah you're going to whack your shin because there's no clear path to get from one place to another you have to step over shit to get to the other things that was intentional
1: man yeah yeah i i I loved it and i i really uh look forward to coming and training at compound five one day i i would i would uh, love to take this opportunity to invite myself to uh come there you know i actually i actually don't (laughs) even like you know i mean i love to train and all that but i would especially like to come to your gym when there's some like crazy lifting going on and just just sit in the corner and like i've never seen a guy squat a thousand pounds you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um well maybe at the arnold strongman or something i can't remember what i've seen guys Mm -hmm. do but in like a gym you know what i mean i've never seen a guy squat like a thousand pounds in a, in a gym and in like, you know, walking it out of a squat rack or even in a monolift, So, um, you know, stuff like that, or, or you know, I know there's guys at your gym, like who's, you know, what are some of the benches that are happening at your gym? Like what are guys benching now?
3: Uh,
0: what now in general? I mean, it depends what you're talking about. Cause it's, bodybuilding is just as polluted as powerlifting is just as polluted as fucking they're all the same right so it depends upon the (laughs) federation and a million other things so it can range anywhere between you know 1300 pounds wearing unlimited gear to i think close to 800 pounds or a little shy of 800 pounds completely raw you know so the numbers today even, even with all the bullshit that goes on and same in bodybuilding, like bodybuilders today are just more insane than they were years ago. Even with all the Mm -hmm. shit that's going on, there's still advancement in all these sports happening at that grassroots level that the same thing's happening in powerlifting to where I'm seeing raw numbers and even geared numbers and you're like, what the fuck? And it's not just because, you know, the, the equipment they're using got better or the rules are more laxed or whatever it is. People are just getting fucking better. I think because they're learning from previous generations and it's you know they're still making mistakes but they're making different ones than people that came before we,
1: but it's we've insane. talked on the show uh, we've talked on the show about how much stronger uh, bodybuilders are now like on Instagram and stuff you see like some guy who's like not even that big like you know he might be like 220 at six foot and he's putting up like 180 dumbbells on the incline. And you're just, I'm just thinking like, man, like what's going on? Like you see five plate inclines on Instagram and stuff. And, and, you know, I, I, we wonder, obviously there's drugs, there's, you know, training strategy, there's, you know, nutrition, there's a whole bunch more people doing it. So the gene pools deeper, but we also have talked about like, I wonder how much of it is just seeing that it's possible of social mm-hmm. media like you see someone else do it yeah. like, you know the four minute mile thing or whatever um <clears throat> we just wonder like i'm you know have you thought about that on on the powerlifting side just everyone seeing other people doing stuff just makes it kind of I, I
0: do i do but i see it from two different lenses because with the main lifts i'll see it under one lens where you know that's cool that is you know they're seeing it so now it's it's, it's it's showing them what can be done. But in the powerlifting or strength sports, if I'm looking at the lifts that they're supposed to be doing just for hypertrophy or accessories and they're being done with this in super insane weights, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking like, why in the fuck are you doing that? Like, is this necessary? Like when you're saying the 180 pound dumbbell presses for a bodybuilder in my brain, I'm like, is that really fucking necessary? Like, like the one fifties won't fucking do it at a slower tempo. You know, so it, with a lot of those things on the strength side with some of the accessory movements, it's crossing this really weird chasm where I look at it and it's like, there's injury, there's a risk benefit ratio to everything. And it's like, does this really fucking like for a power lifter, does an 80 pound dumbbell side raise really fucking matter? Right? I I know they can do it, but does it really matter? And, so it's, I do think them seeing other people do it helps them to want to do more, right? And as, as, as John used to jokingly say to me sometimes, he would like record a heavy lift and it wouldn't record right. So we'd have to do it again. So he would say Instagram's awesome because it increased training volume. Um, <laughs> you know, so there's, <laughs> you know, so there's that too. Um, so it's, I I think you got to look at all of it right to be able to see is is the end result of all of it better and then look Mm -hmm. downstream from there and be able to see because it's they the bodybuilders are stronger. But are those stronger ones the ones that are winning? Hmm. You you, you, you get what I'm saying? So,
1: yeah, not always. Yeah. Yeah. So strength might have gone up fifty percent, but the physiques aren't necessarily fifty percent better. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I don't like. I said that's not yeah. my world. Like I said, I don't know. I mean, because that would be to me that would be the wrong metric for them to try to emulate if they're following right. other people. Yeah. You know, to try to become the best at what they're doing, that would probably not be the best thing to do.
4: Well, Dave, I got one for you. What what can bodybuilders learn? from power lifters like what are we maybe not getting that you guys have to offer as far as knowledge goes as far as understanding that that we could apply and improve what we're doing and then also too I'll throw in a part B to that what can power learn from bodybuilding that they're not picking up from bodybuilders
0: I'll start with the part B because that's something I've been pushing for a long time is to to go back to what I was just saying, with powerlifters, not just powerlifters, but just strength athletes in general, when they're looking at any of the training, I call it downstream, so anything that's not the first two movements. When they're looking at any of the movements that they're doing downstream that they're specifically just doing for hypertrophy, they should train those more like a bodybuilder. Hmm. Actually train them more like an injured bodybuilder. So learn how to get learn how to train the muscle and fuck the movement. Because the whole point of that being in the program at that point in time is to create muscle hypertrophy, right? So what's the best way that they can do that that's going to create the least amount of recovery demands that are yeah. already being created? Because the, the first two things they're doing are going to induce a lot of recovery demands.
3: Hmm.
0: So anything, anything you can do under that to recu- re- reduce recovery demands, still provide the stimulus that they need to become better, and actually do so in a way that makes it easier to recover and more efficient it's just a no-brainer to me
3: mm-hmm.
0: now on the other side of that if I look at the bodybuilding culture what I see there is there's a really strong phasic approach to dieting there's a difference between off season. there's a difference between preseason there's many cuts there's many so there's all kinds of different phasic approaches to dieting there's all kinds of phasic approaches even to the the anabolics the drugs the type of drugs and everything that's associated with that when it comes mm-hmm. to their training the phasic approaches for shit there's no phasic approach there whatsoever yeah. so what they could learn from strength athletes in general is how can they align some type of phasic approach with their training that will tie into whatever the demands are of the nutrition that they're going through that doesn't mean That you need, you know, like heavier weights. The assumption would be you need heavier weights in the off season when you have more ability and it's easier to recover. But I could Mm -hmm. also flip that and say, I'm not a bodybuilding coach. It would depend upon the coach and their athlete because maybe the athlete loses too much muscle as they diet down for a show. So they actually probably need that to be that heavier time when they're pushing, Mm -hmm. but to get more out of that heavier time, then they probably need a lighter time right before that, mm. to be able to create right. that heavier mm. stimulus before. So just some phasic some thinking going into it, I think, mm. would help bodybuilders a lot because that's the biggest hole mm. as an outsider looking in. It's like mm-hmm. these things aren't being covered and, and probably should be. The same holes exist in the strength athlete side too. Nutritionally, they're doing a better job filling the hole now. Right. But sometimes they'll, they over, they overfill the hole. Like they <laughs> eat like straight. I mean, they, they they're eat like a pre contest bodybuilder. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? You know, you don't need <laughs> right. to do that. You know, you're, it, it's probably counterproductive because mentally in six weeks, you're going to burn out from it and you don't have the mental fortitude that a bodybuilder that's been doing this for six years has. And then you're mm-hmm. just going to go off the rails when you probably need the nutrition more.
3: Yeah. <clears throat>
2: Is a is a typical prep for a meet six weeks? Is that the where that number came from, or how long is that usually?
0: I just threw that out there. I mean, a typical typical prep for a meet it's going to always depend upon the individual. I would say mm-hmm. twelve to sixteen, and
3: okay.
0: I will call that. I call it getting to the, the as a bodybuilder will start their contest prep mode for a powerlifter or, or strength athlete. I call it getting to the starting line. And by that, mm-hmm. what I mean is when they get there, then everything that they do moving forward is going to be geared towards peaking for that competition. Now, they they may have been had a good enough off season that they, they only need 12 weeks for that to happen. But mm-hmm. it, let's say at 16 weeks, they feel they're 15% behind where they should be you know, 12 weeks out, then you got to, you got to back it forward. Ultimately, mm-hmm. I'd like to see it be 10 to 12 weeks. But if somebody's in the off season, they're not where they're supposed to, they fell off a little bit more than they're supposed to. I, I'll, I'll have them build about three or four weeks, like one mesocycle in front of that peaking cycle, just to help get them back to the starting line. Cause the worst thing you want to do is to start behind the line because then they end up doing stupid shit to try to catch up or they hope the drugs kick in, you know, mid cycle, Mm -hmm. you know, to be able to catch them up where I'd rather have them start optimally and not have to play any unnecessary bullshit unless it's necessary.
2: Mm -hmm. Do, do most of the power lifters at that level, work with their coach year round or you know like if they're taking coaches because I'm just curious because it seems like for me as a complete outsider that if I just handed you the the reins and said all right here's your yearly payment uh, make sure I'm on point for that starting line you know what I mean
0: they do the same shit as the fucking bodybuilding community does This this is the most stupid fucking thing in the world they only hire people for prep time it's like, the, <laughs> it, 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 you know, what it blows my fucking mind. It's like, okay, so when we were really supposed to fix the weak points, right? You didn't need any help. <laughs> now you expect to actually peak and fix weak points at the same time. You're a fucking idiot. Right. You know, it's. <laughs> it, you see, I mean, it's if if you step back and really look at it, even with just basic contest prep for a bodybuilder. It's not that complicated, the X's and O's, as you dial somebody down, right? right? It only gets complicated when you got all this other shit that you're trying to manage that should have been done three, three weeks, three months prior. It's like mm-hmm. if, they, if these stupid fuckers, and I don't mind saying this, but if these stupid fuckers just hired the coaches for the offseason and then followed yeah. some stupid general plan they can find online for free, I bet they would probably do better. <laughs> because they would bring up all the weak points. You can't bring up weak points in a fucking calorie deficit, right? Yeah. You know, you can't bring up weak right. body parts if you're a strength athlete fucking eight weeks out before. It, 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 I can go on rants for this forever. you know. <laughs> I the, love this. <laughs> the, 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 it's fucked up. I mean, it's the strength athlete, right, they'll, they'll start the peaking cycle and that'll be, you know, 12 weeks out. Like, man, I need bigger triceps for this meat. Like, dude, seriously. Now? Like, you're going to worry about this now. You, you know, bodybuilders spend two fucking years trying to put more size on their triceps. And you want to do what right. they do over two years and eight fucking weeks? And, kill, and, and let's not forget the last four weeks are singles and triples. So you want to do what... It, it doesn't make any common sense where I don't know where this gets planted. And um, I don't know how this message gets so lost for so long over so much period of time. I, I don't get it.
2: Yeah, we see the I same, same thing. We're on the show for the 27 minutes before I got Dave completely <laughs> set off. I can now, I can now stop talking for the rest of my work here is done.
0: I just ran into this. I swear to God, it's like this meat. My arms need to be bigger. I'm like, so you're going to worry about this now, eight weeks out. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, yeah, how are we going to yeah. do that? Fucking iscycline, you know, fucking synthol. Yeah. I mean, there's, even that ain't going to help you at this fucking point. <laughs>
1: Love yeah. It. I just I, I just had a client of mine. He said, you know, I think he's like six weeks out. And he's like, you think I should add a second back day?
4: Yeah, great idea. And I was like, six weeks out? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. What, what are you your calories sure, just went not. down even more. Yeah, right. yeah fuck
1: it. Do you four know, there's only why so not? much recovery. God. Yeah, yeah, four. Yeah. Weeks. No, no. <laughs> man. Um, the, the, it, it does seem like there's a lot of crossover. And, um, you know, like I, th- I think one of my favorite training duos ever was you and John because, um, you know, you had this like kind of pure hearted bodybuilder with this like West Side guy training together. And it was just such a fun period for everyone to watch. And mm-hmm. can you tell us, like, how, how did you guys wind up becoming such good friends and training together?
0: Well, I knew him a little bit when he did train at Westside, but I, I, I'm not going to say I really even liked him or knew him that well. Um, he wasn't a dickhead. He just, I mean, he was a bodybuilder training in a powerlifting gym and just kind of in the way. But when I reconnected with him, years later I think it was um either after my hip replacement or it was after I retired and I was going through this this identity crisis of trying to figure out how how I was going to train and move forward because training for health really doesn't seem like it's going to be an option for me you know it's just I'm not this general fitness person and I'm just not going to be that and um so I got talking to him on the phone about one of the articles that he wrote for t nation and uh make a story uh, shorten the story he came out to train that saturday and it was a leg workout and it just it just jived because with that you know i, I was trying to find this <clears throat> trying to fill this void that i i lost in my training by not being able to train you know the heavy singles and all that because of the hip replacement and didn't know how to even navigate my way back into that. Where the, and the the effort that he had, you know, I could do that. Like the challenge sets, while still not the same in my brain as a heavy single, were pretty close. Hmm. It's like now I got something, and I guess if I'm going to truly define it, the the sets where you got to like think before you do the set, and you got to get yourself. A little a little psyched up for it, but if you get too psyched up, you know you're gonna fuck the set up. But if you don't get psyched up enough, you're gonna that's there's that time between when you make the decision to do the set and then doing the set and then the set. I'm addicted to whatever that is. And that allowed me to kind of find that. Now with John it became interesting because it it, it gave me a sidetrack because I'm trying to navigate how I can train where he wanted this pro card, and I know some about bodybuilding, but I don't know a lot about bodybuilding. And I knew enough from speaking to him, here's where he thought his weak points were, here's what other people were saying his weak points were, and he's he was lean, right? I mean, he was always lean. And I can see the muscles contract, I can see what's working and what's not working. So with him, it was very easy to say, now wait a minute you were telling me that it's you know the lower lat that you're trying to target right now but I, what i'm seeing it's your trap in rear delts man and so that became a side project you know of how can how can i work with him and him work with me you know educating to be able to tweak everything that he's doing to actually hit the muscle the way that he wanted to hit the muscle and then get to a point to where he could actually, his back was one of the biggest weaknesses but became the strength. And it was, how can we get his back where it needed to be without his waist? You know, In other words, how could we get it where it needed to be but still pull out deadlift and pull out the, the legwork that was fucking his lower back up and making his waist thick? So that became this big challenge of trying to figure this out to be able to do that. And then the the intensity, like I said, the the effort was great and then it just became this ongoing thing to where it's it it gets to this certain effort level and I'm saying I would say something to John like, "Okay, look, this is fucking this is this is high. Like this effort level is high." You know, looking at from a strength coaching perspective, this is like peak high. It probably needs to come back down to peak back up a little bit higher. Where exactly do you want this to top off at? Because there's there's a point of diminishing returns for everything. And at one point, he said, "I want to be able to train legs as hard as as hard as we possibly can, straight in the worst heat for three and a half hours straight." And I remember saying, "That is so unnecessary." <laughs> and he's, "I don't care. I still want to do it." You know, and so that's, that's kind of where it went. And that's where it got to this weird ass point that anytime somebody would come out and train, they would die because they didn't understand there was two years, you know, of, of waving progressions to be able to get to that point. Yeah. They're jumping in. I don't even want to say the deep end of the pool. They're jumping in the fucking ocean. You know, that none of that was necessary at that point. And I think he found out after he got his pro card because he had to dial a lot of that back, you know, so after he got his pro card, he had to dial it a lot back because of time and all the other stuff. And then his look started to get a little bit better as well, hmm. but it was, it was a fun ride. I'm not going to lie about that. It was a fun ride.
1: <clears throat> you've, uh, you've trained, uh, you know, obviously we mentioned John, but, um, I'd like to, one one of the questions that we had here that I really was itching to get to was uh, I wanted to ask you about the West Side days. Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, I know everyone does. I know it's one of those things, but um, it, it's uh, especially to a bodybuilder, you know, looking at, at you know what we have now to look at from West Side. I'm like, wow, what a what just a, a crazy thing that was. And I just wanted to ask you about you know how what was your first time there like you know what what were you doing there
0: it was i came up i started competing when i was 12. so i started training maybe like a year beforehand with cement weights and ended up in a in a power lifting gym at a very young age and around people that trained in a crew so there's like two different crews each day that trained for powerlifting. So I knew that environment of what it's like to train in a group of a crew that had social dynamics, good and bad. You know, so I learned how to navigate that from, you know, a very young age and the benefits of that. And then once I got out of high school, there was a couple year gap where I couldn't find a crew to train a, a crew to power lift with and did some bodybuilding type shit because I could find a training partner but I wasn't finding what I was looking for. And then once I found that, and then that, that was in Toledo at the time, there was a, a, a solid crew that I had for three or four years. So it's, what my point is I have like 10 years of before Westside of training in this crew group type of environment. So to me after graduation, it was either quit the sport, which was an option, or go to Black's Health World, or go to Westside Barbell. And I wanted to go <laughs> in a place that people were better, because that's how I navigated my path up until then, is I would find the people who were stronger, i go train with them, and then that would be that crew. And Westside ended up being the choice for several different reasons. Um, my wife is originally from Columbus, so that was probably one of the bigger reasons Matt Demel was a very good friend of mine, so that was the second biggest re- reason. Louie and Westside was probably the third. Because Westside back then wasn't what people know it is now. It was just another powerlifting gym. They had world record breakers, but so did Black's Health World, you know, so did other places. And make no doubt about it, powerlifting was my number one priority at this time, above all. before School, work, all that, since all this time. So when I went there, it was a couple, a few things stand stood out. I already kind of knew the environment because I was going back and forth for a couple years on the weekend. So I kind of knew that I knew some of the people there. So I, I knew that the second thing that I realized when I got up there, it just so happened to co, to co, to correspond with a very dry spell of anabolics, right? So right about the same time when the Mexican border got shut down is about the same time I went there. And the whole time I'm thinking, this is bullshit. Like I come to one of the best powerlifting gyms in the world and we're taking fucking cattle implants because nobody can find anything. (laughs) Like this was a big mistake. I should have went someplace else. And then the third, I didn't buy into a lot of what Louie was saying. I knew his principles, but I did not buy into it at all. I had three elite totals before that. So it took me a year to kind of get acclimated to, to all of that and almost thrown out because of all that too. And so after a year, then I started training in the morning with Louie and then that's when my list went. My total went up 250 pounds in six months. So wow. that that turned me into somebody that was a skeptic because everything I learned in the school and everything I learned up until that point was completely against everything Louie was saying. Hmm. And that's hard, man. This is why I understand why critics of him have so much hard time because I was that person. Hmm. And then I was that person mm-hmm. in his fucking gym saying this makes no fucking sense. But then when I just did like just fucking this was a conversation just just fucking tell me what to do I'm sick and tired of listening to your bullshit just fucking tell me what to do and then the the, the 250,000 I'm like fuck okay maybe I need to figure out because he kept talking about these Russian books and I mean all these fucking mystery books that nobody ever saw and then one day he finally gave them to me and I started looking through them Hmm. and two things hit me the first thing was how in the hell did he extract this information from these sources? Huh. Because the sources kind of, I don't want to say they sucked, but they were very hard to understand. And I'm an idiot. Mm-hmm. So they were super hard for me to understand. <laughs> but then then when I when I started to look at how he extracted what it was and put it all together, exposed a genius behind his madness huh. with that. As far as, now, the West Side stories and, you know, the, the movie... In in a way, it yes, it did depict you know the culture that was there. Everybody that was there, powerlifting was their first priority, to the extreme. You know, I was told don't get married. I was told don't have kids. I was told all these different things. Now I didn't listen to any of those things, but you know, but that's how it was. The movie also didn't do a very good job of laying out that not everybody in there was a thug.
3: Hmm.
0: You know, there were people in there that you know, it had PhDs, there were college professors, one of the guys was a neuroscientist. You know, there were people that actually had real jobs, you know, so it's it took one subculture that was there and kind of highlighted it so everybody thought it was this big thug culture, which mm-hmm. I would say it was it's no different than any other serious gym at that same time in any big city where training was taken serious because if you go to any of those gyms at that time you were going to find people from all different subcultures all different disciplines and all different professions and they all get together and lift weights for the same fucking reason mm-hmm. so it didn't matter if one person was a drug dealer and the other person's a cop and the other person's a warehouse worker and the other person's a doctor that didn't fucking matter in the gym what mattered in the gym is we're there to get fucking strong right mm-hmm. and that's, that's how that environment was. But it was, it was to a different level to where if you weren't there to get strong, and you weren't able to help other people get strong, you didn't have to be the strongest, but your balls had better been there to be the strongest, then you were removed, you were kicked out, you were not, because the weakest person is going to pull everybody else down. It's like a fucking infection. You know, it grows, it hurts another person it hurts another person. So they just fucking axed and they were gone. So there were a lot of times I was in there where there was only four of us. I can remember myself, Kenny Patterson, Louie Simmons and Chuck Vogelpohl in the morning crew. And then Louie looking to us saying, we need more guys. Like, where in the, where, how in the fuck do you, where are we going to get them? We're here. You know, like, how in the hell do you expect that more people would find their way in? that was the time i was there you know so the 12 14 years i was there after i left i've spent the last probably two years just on a podcast or after louis passed let me start there after louis passed i've spent time trying to bring people in that were at Westside after me to see what things stayed and what things didn't what things Mm -hmm. culturally you know stayed and when things didn't. And I still haven't put all the pieces together. But they got stronger. They, they got stronger after I was there 100%. No doubt about that. And um, a lot of that can be because we made a lot of mistakes, you know, while we were there, you know, so mm-hmm. we, we got fucked up. I mean, we did a lot of things that were fucking extreme, that those ones that follow didn't have to do. You know, so and I think that's the same in bodybuilding. I think that's just how sport progresses. You know, there's that. And at the same time, I think their level of um, what Louie would say, aggressiveness, or there, there's a certain meathead gene, right, that he was looking for, <laughs> right? <laughs> that
1: Cultivating.
0: That, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're the strongest person. Right. Yeah. But it means that you're a crazy enough motherfucker that if he tells you to run your head through a wall, mm-hmm. you're gonna do it with as much force as humanly possible and enjoy <laughs> fucking doing it. Right. He he lost a lot of that mentality but ended up getting the mentality of lifters that were stronger. And these were conversations mm-hmm. I had with him after I left. Because he battled with that. Because he wanted the strongest lifters, but he missed having the crazy fuckers that were willing to run their head through balls,
3: Yeah, you yeah, know, at the same right.
0: time. And so it was, it's a check and balance. Like, well, what's more important, you know? And sometimes he didn't know because he a, was one of those guys.
4: What's an example when you say like the guys that like we do really extreme stuff, like what are we talking here? I'd love to hear an example of this.
0: Um, if we dude, we took fucking cattle implants, right? So I just give. So we ran out of stuff, right? Yeah, that yeah. one's back and to and cattle keep, implants. Keep, 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 keep in mind, like this, this is this is the whole scenario. This is how it played out. This I'll give you several examples of shit like this. <laughs>
3: it's
0: like, and it was not Louie. but you know, somebody coming like, "Look, buddy, man, I'm sorry. This is all we got." And I'm like, "What the fuck is this?" And it's like, well, it's hephroid. I'm like, Am I supposed to eat it? He says, No, man, come over. And, you know, so a group of us go over, I come over to our house, we'll show you. And basically, we're going to freebase the shit. So he puts it on a spoon, he puts it over a fucking uh, a, a stove, right? A heated uh, gas stove, he puts one cc of fucking canola oil in it from the cabinet. He just reached in the cabinet and grabbed the fucking canola oil. It's fine. All right, And then he waited till it dissolved. <laughs> pulled it in the needle, and the first needle, fucking, it, it 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 bent it. it the heat it the heat collapsed, time, the heat. it melted. Yeah, the fucking needle melted. So I had to throw that away, and then he's make, make another one, then pull it out, and then run it under cold water like one, two, three, four, five, and then shoot it. All right, now there, keep in mind, there's six of us there, and we're yeah. like, so what's in this shit again? It's like 200 milligrams of testosterone propionate, 20 milligrams of es- um, um, uh, fucking help me out here um, estrogen. Yeah,
3: estradiol, and I'm like fuck, do we yeah. do we want
0: the yeah? It's like do we want the estrogen? And that somebody else said fuck you bloat you like a motherfucker. I'm like okay <laughs> fucking cool. Now there's six of us. Nobody here yet has questioned any of this. By the way. Yeah. It's just obviously. load it up and shoot it. <laughs> Right. Just fucking load it up and shoot it. I mean, the next day there's a big fucking knot in your ass. And all I, all, you know, then it's just all I remember thinking at the time wasn't, you know, the fact that I just shot this fucking shit in my ass that is from pellets and or how to dissolve it better or any of this shit. It was how, how many months are we going to have to take this shit and then (laughs) where, how, how, how we this this sucks, right? So yeah, yeah. That's one, that's one example. Keep in mind, nobody at any point asks anything about <laughs> is this safe? Is this sterile? It's like fuck it, right? Uh,
3: uh, uh,
0: hydrogen peroxide. Like we used to shoot um, saline, and if we pulled a muscle, we would shoot uh, saline in the muscle. It's just a okay. you know, Nurse mm-hmm. would get us a saline bag, like ninety percent solution, and just jam the saline. If you swing a pack right and so louie was great at that because he held the needle like this you know and they're fill up like six near need- we fill up like six needles you know three cc's each and then he would just bam 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 he would just hit the whole pack right now i don't know if the saline helped or if it was just the needle tearing through the muscle inducing bleeding that helped the muscle heal right but so,
1: we're using 18 gauges.
0: Yeah, keep, keep in mind we're <laughs> essentially we have a doing
1: prolotherapy.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. You know, you, you know where this came from. One of the guys saw a little clipping in a penthouse magazine saying that they were injecting saline in people's knees to wash out, you know, shit that was floating around in there. So he figured, fuck it, it must work for pecs too. Oh, no wow. questions about that. <laughs> the only time we started question, right? So. Um, the next up came... Now, from that led to other shit. Tremel, like we found Tremel, which was actually probably more healing than the other one. And then somebody told... And this was this was not good. Somebody said, uh, try uh, hydrogen peroxide. That was a mistake, right? Dude. But these are all like... Yeah, that burnt like a motherfucker. I did that in my IT band and it lit me up for Ooh. fucking a week. Oh, right? Ow. So... That, that's just one side, right? Now, keep in yeah. mind, at the same point, if anybody came in and said, look, you should take two Anadrol a a day, we'd be like, fuck you, we're not doing that. Because the lower back pumps would see, be so bad that we, we would get hurt. <laughs> or if you – now, swear to God, like, um, like to the D-ball were tied D-ball at the time. So the threshold was like four, maybe ten the last couple weeks before. Anything more than that, you would tear something or something would get hurt.
3: No kidding. So
0: I don't want to – oh, yeah. So we are very specific on stuff like that. But if it was some stupid shit like, hey, if you eat clay, you know, we'll, we'll eat clay. So th- that's one side. The other yeah. side would be um, <clears throat> Louis coming up with – one One day we did uh, – God, what was this stupid fucking thing? It was um, – it was squatting. I remember that. And it was with the straight bar. And there was like a zillion bands on there. And there was, there was probably 400 pounds of band tension. <laughs> there were 200 pounds at least on each side with weight releasers. And then fucking chains. It was, it was stupid, man. It was like 128, 130% at the top. And then it would deload and kick off. Okay. And and he wanted this, at the time, he wanted it raw, because most of the training was raw. Huh. So raw, um, on a low box, and every rep about fucking killed you. And we just, stupid shit like that. If anything like that is what I'm, you know, it's that kind of stuff. Yeah, if, or if there was a con, impossible. yeah, no. Yeah. And there were, you know, most of the training wasn't. Um, 48% of the training was intelligent. Okay. Right? So the other part of the training would less be less than half,
2: um, <laughs> Yes, you know, so if it was,
0: if, yeah, if it was, um, if it was a max effort day, you know, and somebody came in and we're like, look, we want to do, we're, we say we're going to pick, good mornings for five, which was a little bit easier to recover from. As soon as somebody would suggest that, it would be like, no, you're a pussy today. Uh, Fuck you, we ain't doing that, right? So then it would be, we're going to do the hardest thing ever. Yeah. And then it would become a contest. So then (laughs) you get in this situation where some people that would miss would try to repeat five or six. I've seen people miss a weight 12 times and hit it on the 13th which is a great inspirational story, but it's stupid as fuck. Right. Because it's like, why did you just not stop after two? Yeah. So that, so that type of, that's the mentality he wanted. So if Louie was to say, if it was the speed work, look, I want to throw an extra band on top and it already felt like your whole world was crushing, then you just fucking did it. If you were the person that was going to say, listen, I feel like I'm getting more speed. And it's moving the way it should move with less weight your world was over hmm. he would now the argument there was in, mo- in many cases he was wrong in that regard because what ended up becoming something for dynamic strength ended up becoming something for max effort strength which just ended up running most people into the ground hmm. to where right. they they would either just leave or quit You know, so what you end up with Mm -hmm. is kind of a Bulgarian model over a period of time, the people that were willing that were able to survive, you know, stayed, but then ultimately paid the price later, Okay. you know, where I think that those this is why these conversations I had with Louie went like what I was talking about, because you take that mentality away, and then you have to rely on how optimal can this be. Hmm. So now their recovery is better and they're able to actually right. get stronger. You know, right. could the group I have been with been way stronger than they were? Had the recovery demands been more optimal? I believe so. But I okay. also don't believe that our mental framework would ever allow that to happen. <laughs> you, so it's, it's... You had a to, you had to keep door. pushing
3: it.
4: You. Do you think yeah, it's... Yeah, so you is bring it, in... Yeah. Is it possible to, to be elite to take it to that absolute extreme and have longevity?
0: Well, how are you going to define longevity, right? Because anybody that is at the top level of any sport for a decade for me is longevity. Hmm.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Right? Right. Because it takes a long time in bodybuilding for, for most. It takes a long time for most just to get there right so if they get there yeah. and then if you got a, a ifbb pro that's been a pro for 10 years that's a long fucking time man yeah. 10 years in the yeah. nfl is a long fucking time yeah. 10 years in the nba is a long time i mean 15 years you start talking about people that are fucking legends now keep in mind it takes longer in these sports for a lot of people to get there mm-hmm. so that's longevity is a weird one because i don't know the context on how most people define that mm. right so right long in these sports are fucked up because nobody's there to tell you to retire <laughs> right yeah. if you right. see what I'm saying it's not like mm-hmm. you know the power lift it's not like the NFL guy or so yeah in football if you just suck you're not going to play past high school if you even played in high school
3: yeah
0: if you're not good enough to play past college you're not playing past college because so, uh, basically you're not being recruited but in the same way you have coaches telling me you're not telling you you're not good enough to continue yeah that right. doesn't happen in strength sports the opposite actually happens so hmm. where you'll have somebody that may it may be past their time to go but they don't want to go and then they're always going to find somebody that's going to enable them to stay longer
3: hmm. mm-hmm
0: You know, so it plays into that. So I think we have that embodied. Do you have to have? Yeah. Now, do you have to, can you have balance and be at the top level? No, I don't think so. I think if you get to the top level really fast, you know, you're one of the fortunate ones and then you might be able to find balance, you know, on the second half of your career, but on the first half, Mm -hmm. no, The, the brains are not, our brains are not mature enough. In our younger 20s, for us to even understand what the fuck balance even means, you see. So when we talk (laughs) about balance in life and balance in sport, we also need to understand that the human brain for most adult males isn't going to be balanced until they're 25 28 to begin with.
4: Or thirty five,
0: right? Body, you know, or thirty five. Yeah. So I mean, you, I mean, you get my point. You get
4: my point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: two of us are still waiting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah.
3: exactly,
0: exactly. But I think as, as they begin to mature, they begin to find, you know, what I can manage multiple things at the same time, and yeah. be able mm-hmm. to still push the upper limits.
2: Do you find when you're when you're teaching guys? Because I mean, obviously, with where you're at now, um, is that something you work on? Um, because I know for us sometimes when you're dealing with people who are trying to get a pro card or, or whatever it is, um, I try to use the word uh, harmony versus balance and just tell them like, yes, bodybuilding takes up 70% of your time so that it'll never be balanced. But when you're in that 30%, give that a 100. You know what I mean? So while you're yeah. at work, that's your obsession. And then as soon as you clock out, Get back to powerlifting. You know what I mean. Or when you're with your kids, yeah. give them everything you have. Then when you get, you know what I mean. Because I feel like that's the line where people can find um, they waste time uh, that doesn't that doesn't help them with their bodybuilding or their powerlifting. Just obsessing. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I I try to avoid the using the word balance because there's so many videos and resources of people like Michael Jackson that they're going to, or Michael fucking basketball player help. goddamn it, Jordan, Yeah. Michael Jordan <laughs> that they're going to fall back on and say, here's an example of somebody wasn't balanced. Right? So I, I yeah, avoid right. balance altogether. What I look yeah. at is I'll, I'll talk to them about idle time. Like how much idle time do you have? Right? Because now let's look at what you're doing in your idle time. Right, Because idle time is the devil's time. You quote that however you want to quote that. So if your idle time is spent flipping through Instagram, getting pissed off at what other people are saying, well, then maybe that idle time might better be utilized reading some materials that could help you become better at nutrition or help you become a better coach in a later period of time. So the idle time is there, and they are filling the idle time. So let's talk about what you're filling that with. If it's just one hour or four hours per day, it's still there. But if it's Mm -hmm. being filled with things that are not going to help them with become the best athlete they can be, my first conversation with them would be then you're not all in. You say that you're all in, but if you're using your idle time to only produce negative thoughts and to pull you down, from what your higher purpose is in this sport, then you're not all in. If you were all in, you'd be very productive of what you're putting in your brain as far as what you need to do to become better. You know, So don't tell me you're all in. Just tell me you're 70% in, and let's have an honest discussion here. And then look there. And when, right. when I change the narrative that way, I'm not going to say it's 100% success, but when I change the narrative that way, then all of a sudden they're able to look at things like comments on social media and where they're spending their time when they're supposed to be resting It's and bodybuilding recovery is huge and strength training recovery is huge. Now, if all they're doing is spending their time on social media, getting stressed out, producing higher cortisol, we all know that's counterproductive to what they're trying to do on mm-hmm. stage or on a platform. And they know right. that. So if they're actively making that choice, That's where I go back into, don't tell me you're all in if you're actively making choices that work against where you want to be. I just want to show them other things that they can do that could help them to actually fill that or replace that with something Mm -hmm. that could be better. Like, go for a walk outside with no fucking headphones on, right? Leave, you know, don't listen to music. Just go walk and be with your own thoughts for a while. Nobody does Mm -hmm. that ever ever like and it, it'll freak them out if they, I mean, they got to do it for five minutes it will freak them out but just go do that and then ask yourself are these thoughts actually productive or counterproductive and where are they coming from so if that's the trick that i found is i try to avoid balance hmm.
3: right
4: there's so too dusty. many
0: there's too many things to push back
4: yeah you've said that a lot of that same stuff dusty i've heard
2: you say that yeah I, I just i i I'm, I'm it's cool to hear because I'm sure a lot of people that come to you are stunned with how much these conversations help strength when they think they're going to come in to here eat this food, do this mesocycle and take these drugs but there's all that extra stuff that really can take them to another level which is which is awesome to to hear about
0: well here's here's the thing with that is the way I've always broke training down and as I've gotten older, it's, it's how I break life down in general, is every weak point or sticking point is either physical, mental, or technical, right? Anybody can do the training and anybody can eat the food. right? The people who are willing to put in the right mental work to get to where they need to go, that's not anybody. that's rare that's very few people. But the answers that everybody wants, what exercises should I do for my biceps? What's the best source Mm -hmm. of protein to grow the most? Yeah. Right. It's it's never, you know, what is the mindset that I need to achieve in a sport that's going to, for many people, take a decade to even be close to the potential that they could have to even know if they have good genetics or not.
1: Right. Love that yeah um the mentality stuff uh i mean you you've said some stuff today dave that you know i i think it's you know it's that that key takeaway point from the seminar you know you go to a three-hour seminar and the guy says one thing about mindset and you're like that's that's the thing you know and you dropped a bunch of (laughs) those it's not easy though uh, man no Mm -hmm. and (laughs) it's certainly i think think the other thing with
0: that is is a lot of people think it's easy but it's not it's not Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm
1: yeah it's not it's not a formula and also too the the stuff you were saying about you know you guys actually like i guess you didn't say the words but like training too hard like essentially mm-hmm. like you know what i mean just always taking the worst possible route to torture yourself the most and i feel like every group sort of has to peek out there to find out the limits Like the bodybuilding also, I feel like bodybuilding also has gone through that phase too. Like with the drugs and stuff, we've, you know, the most extreme diets were, I think, sort of already done. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. uh, it, it, we learned a lot from a lot of that stuff where we're still not all collectively uh, on the same page. But we, we sort of had that phase too. like in my mind, I saw that stuff like the people doing everything the most aggressively weren't, you know, they all ran into their wall. And everything sort of has that that generation that is the I mean, it's one of the most important generations, the, 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 the generation of the most complete psychos that are willing <laughs> to do anything like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? They, they they, might, you know, the next generation benefits so greatly from everything they did. So, you know. Well, I
0: think everybody still individually has to go through those things themselves, yeah. right? Because yeah. if, if we talk about, you know, in bodybuilding, reps and reserve, you know, is, is a terminology that gets thrown around a lot. but Or RPE. You know, your RPE could be different than mine or different than somebody else's, but until somebody has actually pushed themselves to a really high level to anchor it, then they don't really know. And sometimes you don't know what that anchor is until you go over the other side. Then you're like, "Oh Mm -hmm. shit, that was too (laughs) much, right?" So, but now (laughs) your definition of a, you know, some your definition of an R, you know, an RPE nine. Has completely changed because you fell over the edge, but what you used to think was a nine was your six. Right. right? So it doesn't mean you need to train at the nine, but now you're like, well, fuck, man, I probably need to train at a seven or an eight.
3: Yeah. And
0: I think that mm-hmm. happens with jugs, it happens with diet, it happens with everything. Everybody's going to push too far and then be like, okay, this is too far. And then they know where <laughs> right. to scale
4: it back. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. Hey, I wanted to ask you, no, Dave, I think, yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, just about Elite FTS that uh, you know I know it's a it's it's I mean this is really this is really your life I can say at this point you know and I didn't realize until we spoke last year that your your main goal is to educate people like I always thought if it is an equipment Mm -hmm. company education second and then you know I learned from you as the other way around and I'm kind of restating that for anybody who didn't hear that interview and Mm -hmm. didn't know but I wanted to ask you, with everything you've done with Elite, I mean, it's such a it's such a big force now. What was the point where you felt like it was really doing something good? Like, what was the point where you're like, you know what, I have made it? Like, and I don't mean like I made it like, oh man, I'm I'm a, you know, like in the surface, I'm a success, I'm rich or famous or whatever. But like, where you really felt like this is doing what I wanted it to do?
1: Yeah, this company is, um, is doing its. It's purpose.
4: Yeah.
0: I would say over the past year. Really? And that's, um, yeah. And what the, the reason is, I mean, you guys are all online. Most of the work that you do is online. So you'll understand where I'm coming from. A lot of people don't understand where I'm coming from. When your whole career and everything that you do is online, most of what you see is negative, right? Right. Or the comments that you see are negative. Um, the, if you, if you train people in a gym, if you have clients and um, maybe you all have, so you have clients as you're training in a gym and you're in there eight hours a day. Usually every client at the end of the session is going to say, Hey man, thank you. Good job. You know, thank you. I appreciate what you do. You know, you hear that a lot when you're online. That's gone. That's completely gone. Right. So you might hear, mm-hmm. Hey, I appreciate what you do once a month. But then what you do see are customer service issues and all these other issues over and over and over and over and over,
3: yeah.
0: right? Mm-hmm. So the, the criticism becomes amplified and the, the, the accolades mm-hmm. diminished compared to the real right. world. That's just yeah. how the online community is. And I've seen that from coaches that have worked for me, people that have worked for me that go into the real world and work with athletes and it's like, Oh my God, Dave, this is a completely different world. So, in know, in a way you're working in this blind space yeah. that you just put shit out there and you don't really know what, what comes back with the podcast over the past year, bringing people out, and I just had Ben Pulley, who's from, you know, up Michigan, up here neck, the Woods, you know, this last week. And, you know, I'm speaking to somebody that grew up reading the articles on Elite FTS, hmm. you know, and helped him, you know, navigate a strength and conditioning career. Now he's got his own gym. He's got his own place. He's a, he's a coach. He's teaching these other athletes and he's teaching these other athletes the importance of, you know, always helping other people you know, to give back, to be able to help that next piece. So now I'm physically seeing the long tail of this, not just the person saying, hey, thank you, the information helped. I'm seeing the person that I know for a fact is helping other people. And I'm hearing from other people that are contacting me that have learned from somebody that I mentored as part of the company and how much they help them, so
3: right cool.
0: that when when you start to see generations deep, yeah, of that, then for me that's that that's been one of the more motivating, probably the most motivating things out of all the twenty five years I've been doing it. That's crazy because
3: to me, to me, it's well, to me it solidifies
0: this is the you 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 can think all you want like i can think all i want this is helping this this is helping this this is helping this what i'm seeing here is fucking actual proof yeah you know what i'm saying when somebody's telling me hey look i learned from so and so and he was one of you and i'm seeing this guy has this company this is actually doing this thing and that solidify you know what i'm saying it's it's Mm-hmm. I, I'm very. I don't want to say I'm a negative person, but I'm a pessimist. That's. I'm an entrepreneur. We're kind of wired that way, right? Right. And so it's it's that. Pre- prepare so,
1: for the worst. Prepare. Yeah. <laughs> you, know,
0: you always, always, and it's. I would say yeah, because before that, you know, but you never really know,
3: right? You know, yeah.
0: and sales are one thing, customers are one thing, transactions are one thing. You know, all those things are one thing, but. Every now and again, when you get that person or a letter or something like that on how something helped them battle whatever it was, and it was either through me or through somebody that represented the brand, then mm-hmm. th- that matters, you know. So it's for those people that are in this space that and I know they go through the same things I go through because we're all fucking human yeah. that just give it time. Right, Because you think it doesn't make a difference or you'll convince you. I don't want to say you'll convince yourself it doesn't make the difference. You think it does. Right. Right. It does. Right. Just give it time and you'll see.
2: Well, you know, what's interesting too, Dave is um, because we've gotten generations deep now, um, I find it fun. Things that have spilled from you to John to me to now a kid that I'm helping down the line, you'll see them post and they're like, oh, I learned this from Dusty. And you're like, well, actually I learned it from John who learned it from Dave <laughs> and they don't even know, some of these kids because that they're so young they don't know, even that know who these people matter, are. But, but it's so that cool that, matter, that that's, the, that's the reach you yeah. have now though because that's the idea that I think is, now they're teaching it. So we're talking, yeah, you know what I mean? That's yeah. where it gets exciting because you have no idea how many people it's touching. It's cool when you see the ones, but like like I said, when you see a 15-year-old kid sharing a gem that I got 10 years ago that you learned 15 years ago, it's it's cool to see because of the internet, it, it spreads faster. And yeah. I don't care where it came from. You know what I mean? You just see that information and yes. in your goal well, and of educating that is, out there.
0: People like myself and John, we don't, we don't want the accolades because if, if, yeah. if, if we're demanding or if somebody given the information is demanding that they have these accolades and then at the end of the day, if, if the humility's not there, right? Mm-hmm. So then that person at the very end of the chain isn't going to be given for the right reasons either. Right. Right. You want them to be helping people just generally to help people because it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. You don't want them to help people so they can think, well, someday maybe somebody's going to say they learned this from me because that's the wrong reason to do it. That's not going to that's not going to stem as deep nor have that impact. You know, so. Right. That's where and you can see that because the people that try to make claim on everything that they do and they want to stamp a brand or a title or a name to that, it never goes very deep, Hmm. right? Because people don't see it as authentically wanting to help people because they actually care. They see it as people trying to help people because they want something off that back end. It never goes three layers deep, two layers deep, or whatever it's going to be.
4: Hmm. Yeah, I love that. It's a good reminder too.
1: I'm I'm reminded of many people who have, you know, taken like a superset and given it their name. Yeah, it's a Johnson <laughs> oh, superset. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like Johnson superset. <laughs> that was in like a 1989 issue of Muscle and Fitness I used to read. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was
0: just for just for the shit of it. I think it was like a month ago. And it was a dry erase board I had out here. We were talking about rest pauses for some reason. And because somebody brought it up, and it was something i never heard of, heard of before. I'm like, 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 what the fuck is that? Then they explained it. I'm like, oh, rest pause. And I had like 15 different names for rest pause I wrote <laughs> up on the fucking board. You know, just the right. different cluster sets. Rest pause, you know. Yeah. And there's then I started putting, ever I don't want to call people out because they name certain things. But I had like 15 different things. Like, this is all the same fucking thing. It's just whoever yeah, right, wants to name right. it whatever they want to name it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah or they just
1: adjust the rest period. Instead of twenty seconds, it's fifteen. So now it's yeah. like, or you have to take
0: a sip of water in between. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> love it. Or if you're dusty,
1: if you're dusty. You undo your wrist straps and you do them right back up again, and then you go. That's, that's my timer. That's, yeah, so that that pause.
0: would be active rest pause.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Active rest <laughs> pause.
2: <laughs> Dusty's active rest pause. System. There it
1: is. There you go. There you go. The perfect timer. Oh, man. Uh, Dave, Um, I, I mean, we normally have guests on for an hour. You've given us uh, far more than an hour. We're, we're very appreciative of, of your time. And uh, you've done a fantastic job of doing all the talking, which makes our day just awesome because uh, we get to listen to, podcast, to all these bro. gems. Yeah, I no, I, I know you do. You do your own uh, really long form uh, table talk, which Scott was actually a guest on. I want to remind mm-hmm. everybody to go back. Uh, what would be a couple months in the,
4: uh, the yeah, table it was, talk uh, it was library, right, and find- you've you've had about five hundred guests on since I was on, so you'd have to do some scrolling back. <laughs> and I got to tell you, man, I got so much feedback. Not that I've got yeah. that, that so much feedback from that Dave that. Uh, People were like, man, I never knew this stuff. You even said that, Ron. You're like, I didn't know half of this stuff about you, Scott. You know, it was <laughs> it was it a lot of... the best interview of, I've
1: ever seen you do.
4: Yeah, it, was, it was cool. I really appreciated that, man. It was it, it know, meant a lot I've been, to me, too. I've been no, was talking
1: wrong. to this guy every week for a couple of years now, and then you go and interview him, and I'm like, oh, geez. I'm not very good at getting <laughs> to know people. <laughs> I learned no, and his just last thing name I and everything. love about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. His last name. What, That's what's, funny. <laughs> what's been what's been one of the most rewarding uh, things about the podcast? Just talking to people, having guests on. What what why do you keep doing it? Because you you've done a lot of episodes now. Like yeah. uh, I mean how how many you got now? How many table talks do you have now, Dave?
0: There might be two hundred, but I mean we made a big pivot after a hundred. So really the last hundred. I keep doing it because Um, I'm bringing out people that that I want to know better. Right. And it's that that even gets weird. And I'm sure you guys know, because there's a lot of people I want to bring out, but I got to balance that then with people who I know are going to actually have views too. Right. So Mm -hmm. I could have someone that brings a lot of views because you need the downloads because you know that there's ads and shit like that. And but you don't want to only bring those people out because they suck, and I don't really care to know most of those people. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's you know, it's, so it's it's bringing out the people that I really I want to get to know more. And one of the reasons I keep doing it is because by the time the guest gets here, and I really don't know them that well, I've already listened to five or six episodes of podcasts they've already been on. So I, I've already invested 10 hours of my time trying to get to know who they are. And then I get to spend time with them while they're here. Sometimes there's time after they're here. And then the way that I equate it is I have people that I've trained with for four years, a couple times a week that I don't know as well as I get to know hmm. one person that comes out for a podcast. And yeah. that, that, that to me, that's cool, right? Because it's, I I work, I live in a bubble, I work in a bubble, you know, and I really don't care to, like, m- want to meet a whole lot of people, but the people I do want to meet, I would like to get to know, you know, mm-hmm. well, you know, so it, I learn from them, and, you know, it's just an, it's, that's why I keep doing it, because it's, I like the relationship I'm able to form with these people in that period of time, because I learn a lot from them, it, 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 Makes me go back and focus on skills I still need to work on a little bit communication wise. Hmm. And it's another thing that I strive to want to get better at. I that comes up from the powerlifting and everything else. You know, you're always looking for something, you know, that you can strive to just get a little better at each time. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that's filling one of those voids there too. But doing it around a topic that I love, which is the gym and people that love the gym. And then showcasing kind of like with the West Side thing, showcasing that there's a lot of different people that train hard, that love training, that come from all these different backgrounds. But at the end of the day, they still love the iron as much as everybody else does. And that kind of, that connection to me has always been a really cool thing. Because you can have people you disagree with on just about everything, but you get in the gym and you train hard and it's fucking awesome. You know and i think we need more shit like that you know yep. out there for people to aspire to do and be around
4: i agree that's so well said and guys i gotta tell you dave when you and i sat down we, i think we recorded it like noon or one or something like that we recorded for like three and a half hours and then we talked for like three and a half hours after that by the time i left <laughs> I was walking out of that gym. It was like seven o'clock at night. I swear to God, the sun was going down. I was like, "Oh my God!" I was at Elite literally the entire day.
3: <laughs>
0: it's awesome, man. It's awesome. Because it, you know, like I learned, like it, you learn. There's there's so much to learn. Everybody's got a story, right? And everybody's got experiences. So there's so much to learn from other people. That it's just I'm going to take advantage of that as much as I can. And it's also fun too because there's always topics that. Hopefully one day I'm going to figure out how to get those topics actually on the podcast, but there's always funny fucking topics and things that probably shouldn't be on the podcast, but it should be. But I get to have those conversations. Right. And it's right. cool as fuck because if those are like, wow, I didn't think of that, that's fucked up, you know, or whatever it is. And it's interesting. That's so
1: where, cool. where is some of the, you know, this, this funny bubble that, you know, you live in and we all live in, um, where are some of the, the the places that you've had someone stop you and go, are you Dave Tate? I was like, you're Dave Tate. Like, you know, we've all um, joked about the odd airport security guy that pumps iron and says, like, oh, I watch your podcasts and stuff. But, you know, how has it been for you?
0: It's not. It's weird, right? Because it's I can go. Like, I can go to my own grocery store and fucking nobody knows who I am. You know, I can go anywhere in <laughs> Columbus. Nobody fucking has a clue where I am. I can be on a cruise ship on some fucking island somewhere and somebody on the same excursion that I'm on just happens to know who I am. <laughs> you know, so right. it's, it's really weird. It's really fucking weird. Um, and so it's not that often, but when it does happen, it's always someplace where it's like, Exactly. this is like fucking weird. Like nobody knew me at CVS in my own town. They got to call my name, <laughs> yeah. you know, on the,
3: <laughs> on the thing.
0: Cause they don't, they don't know who I am, you know, but so it's airports. No, usually not so much, but, um, or sometimes what will happen is I'll get a DM and they'll say, where are you at? Oh yeah. You know, that yeah. And, you know, something like that. And then half the time I don't remember, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and
3: so, you know,
0: I would say that the, the weirdest places would be when it's been a long time since I've gone on a cruise, but it seemed like for a while there, like every cruise I went on, on whatever fucking like Jamaica, whatever island excursion or whatever, it freaks me out because it's
1: <laughs> some I guy who's done you know, a bit of I powerlifting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah Yeah. you watch some conjugate youtube videos or whatever yeah 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 (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's amazing (laughs) well dave what would you say uh what would you say would be like one of your key philosophies your key takeaways for you know finding your your passion and 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 how you've you know turned your brand into your entire lifestyle basically what what would be some of the things you'd 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 say to a young person who's asking, you know, how do I follow my passions?
0: I've always gone by after I defined it in the nineties, the live, learn, pass on thing, I've always kind of gone back to that. And that is, you know, to live my life in such a way that each day is fulfilling, but also striving to be able to get better. You know, that's not a definitive statement, but just that live statements changed over a period of time, but to to, to try my best not to take a day for granted, and I do, we all do, but to just try my best to remind myself, you know, of that, and then to learn, you know, to always try to learn, to strive to become better at something, and then, you know, to pass it on, you know, to help other people, because everything that I've ever gotten of value I didn't have to pay for you know it's my mm-hmm. college education I can say was fucking worthless you know every certification I've ever taken was fucking worthless the best things I've ever learned about training were from people you know like you guys in the gym or just conversations or people that they they didn't have to, and this happened when I was a young it happened when I was a kid they didn't have to help mm-hmm. a fucking 12 year old or 13 year old. it changed my fucking life you know and right. So those, those three things I ground myself on as much as I can. And there's been times where I I slip away and I lose, right. Cause everybody thinks you gotta have this passion for life and all this other stuff. And those, those are strong for me, but there's been times where, you know, shit gets off the rails, you know, and I, I'm angry, pissed off not happy with where the business is business is business is business it's never what people think it is you know there's all the Uh frustrations and all that other stuff and I always find that the further I pull myself away from that the worse all the other things become Mm. you know so sometimes it's hard you know to ground yourself in the especially the passing on part as we talked about earlier sometimes it's hard you know, to put yourself back into that and say, you know what, I haven't been doing this at the level that I should be doing this, but God damn it, I don't want to keep fucking doing it because I don't see the return on it. And then it it starts this dialogue, like you selfish fuck, like what are you on this earth for? And those, that's why, you know, when I said earlier, I have to make time where I just have thoughts with just me, no headphones, nothing, just walking, just me silence. These conversations I have to have with myself because they pull me back in to at least the best line that I can be in. Cause there's, it's so easy to be distracted. And it's so easy for me even to fall down those rabbit holes, you know, of that distraction to be able to pull back in. So for me, I had a coach, an early coach, a business coach that helped me put together that, which is a primary aim. And I, I don't know how it evolved. I don't know how it came to that. I don't know how it was, but it became, you know, what the aim of the company was based upon. But more importantly, it was my aim at that time that really started m- more strongly with the passing on part, because at that point in time, I, I wouldn't have got to, I, I wouldn't, have gotten to even to start the business if it wasn't for other people helping me that had no, no reason to, you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was the first two, the living and the learning were the two that were, the, the learning was probably easier, but the living was the hardest one to really kind of figure out and to lock in. That's unbelievable. So find man. a primary aim, right? Find a primary aim that, that will carry you through your whole life. Right, and so that's what I'm trying to say is, and I've made the analogy that many people have told me when I was a teenager, younger, throughout my whole entire life. You know, when you're on your deathbed, you ain't gonna be thinking about these weights and all this other stuff, hmm. right? And you've heard it; we've all fucking heard it. I've been on my deathbed, and I did fucking think about the big weights I lifted. I had a lot to <laughs> think about, right? I was thinking about my family. I was thinking about my kids. I was thinking about certain things that I accomplished that I'm proud of. And I was thinking of some of the big fucking weights and some of the training sessions that I did. Thank God I did them. Right. Because they were and they will always be part of whatever my final hours are going to be. So Hmm. if you can find a way to work that all together and live that way accordingly, then you're good. I love that.
1: Agreed. Man, giver. Just give her it'll inspire somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it, Dave. We appreciate it. Thank you very yeah. much for your time. Before um, before like Dave I, goes yeah, though, go ahead.
4: uh tell us about Swiss. We're a little ways we're a little ways off from Swiss. It's coming up in fall. Yeah. But for anybody who doesn't know, uh, I'd love to hear your perspective on it. And uh, you know, what is it? And also are you gonna be speaking?
0: Um no, I'm not gonna be speaking. Okay. Unless somebody pulls out. I mean, it's it's (laughs) kind of the when, when Ken first asked me the first time the, um, that we helped co-host, which was last year. Um, I know how events go. I've hosted enough. So it's, I can speak if somebody pulls. There's always last minute cancellation. so, So that will be that. So the, the presenters are all situated. I think they're all on the, um, we got a banner on our website elitefts.com for swiss but then once you go into the product banner basically we're just the purchasing agent there is a link in there to click on swiss 2023.com which i think ken has all the speakers and topics listed there the the one thing that i'm going to put the most effort into this year with swiss is the one thing that I learned last year towards the very end is a lot of people don't understand the value of in-person events Hmm. because they've never been to one, right? So I've always been under the assumption that, you know, the best things about seminars or events that you compete in is the time that you spend with people outside of the actual event, you know, Mm just hanging up in a a fucking warm-up room or a pump-up room or the hotel and all that. And when you're dealing with a, a, a very large group of a younger population that everything that they've ever done has been online or virtual, yeah. you're trying to sell them something they really don't understand, and so getting that point across. But at the same time, the other thing that I forgot is being the introvert that I am. Every time I've ever went to a conference or a clinic, I'm not the person that's going to raise my hand. And I'm not the person that's gonna walk up to somebody in the hallway and say, Hey, I got a question for you. So what I'm working on and trying to put together this year is to have a group of volunteers that can kind of like mediate that, you know, to okay. be in the hallways, to be able to talk to people, to say, Hey, is there anybody that you would like to speak to, or anybody you have any questions with? Because I love that. people naturally people naturally are shy. I get yeah. that, right? They don't want to or they don't want to impose. And I get that too right? Or they don't know, you know, so I think having some kind and I'm still working this through my head, but having some kind of mediator to be able to navigate that to be able to say, Hey, look, we have these people available. And if you know, you're doing a podcast over there, it's like, Look, we got these people over here, you know, there's people all over we I want to have people that can help introduce the people in the hallways or during the breaks to people that can help them and to build relationships with them. Yeah. because they they may not either know that that's possible, or they don't have the confidence, or I don't even know how to explain it. You know what I'm talking about, but mm-hmm. yeah, to, to, to want to do that themselves, because to me, I think that's where the best information they're going to walk away with is going to come from, yeah. is that personal sure. interaction with people. So trying to navigate, and that's where I am putting a shit ton of effort. So whatever that's going to look like, I can't tell you right now because all the other stuff is seminar, all the other things there. That's what I'm trying to really focus on there is to fill that that gap because nobody else does it. And it used to just happen organically and Mm -hmm. all other conferences, clinics and so forth. That's kind of fell to the wayside because our culture has kind of shifted that way as well. To where, yeah, right. you know, they're more on their phone than in somebody's face. And trying to figure out that is going to be my, that's my mission for this one.
4: I love that. So it's, it's a huge conference. Uh, you're going to have a ton of speakers there. And the, like everything from rehab to training to nutrition to the steroid panel and
3: mm-hmm. all sorts of
4: little things too happening all at once. There's there's a ton going on. Yeah. and. I think that's a great idea. Anything I can do to help facilitate that, yeah. you know, let me know. And this takes place in Columbus, yes. right? Where, where is this going to, or what's yeah. what's the date on that?
0: Uh, October twenty first and twenty second, I believe. All right, um, Columbus. <laughs> it's in the Hilton, so it's in Easton. If I'm off on the date, it's like a number, just like one number. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty
3: positive mm-hmm.
0: that's 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 where it is. Um, and it it is the the one thing I've liked about Swiss since the very first one is. Ken Kanakin has found a way to be able to bring in a very science end, a very therapeutic end, and kind of like the meathead end, yeah. and bring it all together to in in such a way that the you don't feel like people are speaking over your head, and the people who are more on that meathead side don't feel like they're being stereotyped. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's mm-hmm. it's 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 a way for I love it because it's it's kind of been all my worlds, you know, throughout my whole career kind of combined and in, in, in an easier to navigate, understand way to where when I was younger, I always hated going up and trying to speak to somebody that had a Ph.D. because I thought like I was going to sound like an idiot, you know, yeah. this meathead type of guy. But now it's cool when the fucking Ph.D. knows how to speak meathead. It's like, this is awesome, <laughs> right? Because I don't, I don't need to know, you know and then that, that that's kind of how i see swiss and what it is and it's amazing
4: cool i wanted to make sure we, it was early but i want to make sure we had yeah, something yeah. you know yeah, no, yeah i'd love you.
1: to go one year mm-hmm. yeah thanks dave um really looking forward to getting those two competition benches at uh at the gym um we got a, a lot of members that are excited yeah. i've been wanting to get a piece at least one piece of elite fts in the gym yes. for a long time so we're going to be proud owners so I just wanted to make sure I thanked you for that on the show. Thank you. And uh, yeah, and let's let everybody know, you're under the bar on Instagram, and uh, the yep. show's called Table Talk, and Elite FTS is the brand. What else? You got it. That's, That's it. it.
3: Okay. That's all you
0: need to know. That's all you need to know.
3: <laughs>
1: Thanks, Dave. Uh, <laughs> greatly greatly appreciated right. for coming on the show. Everybody, Dave all Tate, right. thank you, sir. Thanks, man.
0: Thank you guys for having me on. Appreciate it.
1: All right. I didn't screw any of that up, did I? I don't think you did. That was awesome. That was great, man. You did a I great job, said, too. I never said like, share, subscribe, comment. Oh, you didn't. Ring the bell.
4: Okay. They know now. There we go. They know we now. We just did now.
2: Yeah. Man, dude, it was awesome. Where's your West Coast Iron Shirt? Scott, you're kind of missed the email. Ooh, I oh, guess no, I did. This
4: that's is another okay. gym. This is a local mm-hmm. gym here in Michigan. Awesome. So, so they're no competition. They're not taking members from your run. No, no, that's <laughs> okay. it's a different zip code. That's be a different zip code. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, man. Uh. The one thing we didn't do with Dave was he didn't ask him how much time he had. So when we hit the one hour mark, I was like, okay, he's still talking. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. And then like we started to get to ninety minutes, I'm like. We That's better, like, you know, re generous.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: I know that he does, he does like the Rogan, like the three-hour Rogan stuff, but he's sitting down at the table with them. Like they've traveled to go there, you know, like yeah. you, you were on the yeah, show, yeah. right? Yeah. So I'm like, well, you know, do we cut it? We never really
4: discussed, but it went really well. And Dave oh, yeah. was awesome. Yeah, we better, we, that'd probably be very, they'd be professional of us if we did that ahead of time. I'll blame it on you yeah, since yeah. you you were the one who set everything up. So it's Ron's yeah, fault. Yeah, you're Ron's fault, Dave, if you're watching. For sure. He didn't ask. He was just like,
1: yeah. <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> I'm in. And and you know, like what a great guy. I go, hey, we record Mondays. He's like, this Monday works. That's cool. That's cool. I'm like, well, let's do it. Okay.
4: You know, you know what else know? we didn't Some talk about? Throw a Monday out six weeks away. He has chickens at Elite. Mmm. Literally, how did I we mean, not cover
2: that? I know,
4: I know, right? He has a chicken <laughs> coop out the side of the building, like it's in the country, you know, like yeah, it, yeah, yeah. out in the country. And there's literally a chicken coop out there. And I feel yeah. like I know it doesn't relate to anything, but I feel like it's just well, an it important relate. detail.
1: Are they you know? eating eggs? Is like, the, do the gym members get the eggs, or are those Dave's private eggs? Or I don't know who's um, eating the eggs, the, but they're, the they're eating the you know, eggs. Yeah. That- that space to have their chickens like i don't know what's going on it's their chicken extra there's
4: chickens i think his wife yeah like the are these the them. elite chickens yeah is
1: the you know are these elite, elite chickens some
4: medicine uh, uh-huh. performance medicine yeah some
1: performance medicine <laughs> in these chickens. coming through the meat yes are yes. the chickens big is what i'm asking did you just did notice are they really large chickens? large breasts we're getting yeah. into the size of their breasts yes yeah yes <laughs> okay. i like a big breast as you all know and you know that went so well because you know we have we had a big list of stuff it went so well dusty didn't even ask him about cigars that's oh, how yeah. well that went i didn't touch even- fun-
2: it was rolling and when you, when you messaged about the uh, over-unders i'm like i ain't jumping in right now
3: like <laughs> the only I reason let it I, roll. I asked-
1: I know. I thought if we have some over-unders, that's a good way to close. So, you know, if, right, you right, feel, right. if, you know, if I feel like he's got to go, I can, we can do a few over-unders, right? And then you're like, well, I don't want to derail this. <laughs> oh, I didn't even see yeah.
3: that. You, yeah.
4: guys,
1: you guys didn't even text me on oh, yeah. that one. You left me out of this one. No, no, no I used the little chat on the, on the side. It's on the side we're of the screen. I used dude. the little side chat. Yeah, the little side chat. The on-air right here. Yeah, the one right on the yeah. screen.
4: You don't have oh, don't you see it, Scott? Oh, is here? it there? Is it? Th- Holy crap! You guys used the for the first time. You guys actually used the thing. You used the thing. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even see that. We've been on it. <laughs> and then I realized yeah. that Dave could read
1: it too if he wanted to. But I don't oh think yeah, he really clicked on. He never nah, noticed it. No, nah. no.
2: Okay, okay.
1: That so was good what, though. Yeah, that was, great. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Thanks to Dave Tate. Um, Remember, everybody, like, share, subscribe, comment, and obviously, we got to do it twice. Ring the bell. There, that's the yes. closing one. The opening one was an hour and a half late, and then the closing one was five minutes later. Yeah. And uh, remember, Iammutant.com, Dusty twenty, Big Ron twenty. Get your twenty percent off. Get your Iso Surge. Get your essential Aminos. Everyone should be on the gear. And obviously, the Patreon for Think Big Bodybuilding Media. Keep a producer homed for the yes. price of a cup of coffee and uh is that it that's it for the episode there's nothing left for us to do dave was incredible thanks he did it all yeah yeah Yeah. okay remember everybody it's just bodybuilding